Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. If you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to go straight to verse 22. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, And you know, it's, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's all a part of the Spirit of God, every single part. In verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how to develop that in your life. Because how many of you know that when you become saved, you have the Holy Spirit? He's a part of God. There's a threefold part of God. You don't only get the Holy Spirit when someone lays hands on you. You get the evidence of speaking in tongues when that gift is stirred up. But the Spirit of God is in you the moment that you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you have access to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. That love, that joy, that peace. Some of you might say, I'm not feeling a lot of love. I'm not feeling a lot of joy. I'm not feeling a lot of peace. That's okay because we're learning how to develop those things in our life. There's gifts of the Spirit that happen as God wills. And then there's fruit of the Spirit that are developed the more we learn. See, the fruit of the Spirit is there and readily available. We just have to learn how to walk in it. The more that I learn, the more that I understand, the more that I grow. It's just getting a revelation of the things of God to a greater capacity. That's how we grow. And so we're going to talk tonight. Pastor Chris preached an amazing message on love on Sunday morning, and he'd given me some things, and he said, here, you can keep talking about love. And I said, well, I think you pretty well covered that subject. I think it's great. And so tonight we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the subject of joy. That's not something we talk about, and we don't usually devote whole services to the subject of joy. But the thing is, we have to learn about it because why? It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. You say, I might not be very joyful. Well, then you're not living in the fullness of what God said you could have. So I'm going to talk to you tonight and give you some key things to understand what joy is. How do we get joy? How do we walk in joy? And how do we let joy operate in our lives? See, there's a common misconception in this world about happiness and joy. People think those words are synonymous. Happiness is joy. Joy is happiness. That is absolutely not true. Happiness and joy are similar, but they're not the same thing. There's some common conceptions about happiness. There's natural happiness. People think that happiness basically happens when everything is going well and and like when someone gives you something, you feel happy. And the world looks for happiness through material possessions, through music, through events, through relationships, through all kinds of things. They look for a level of happiness. Why? Because happiness is a feeling and happiness feels good. Now, Joy can produce happiness, but happiness can never produce joy because happiness is a feeling. They look for where do they find happiness? Oh, if I have money, I'm going to be happy. Well, you know, one of the richest men that ever was, John D. Rockefeller, he was the richest man in America at the time of his death. And you want to know what he said right before he died? I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. 
Henry Ford, the, pre- the founder of Ford Motor Company, said he was happier when he was a mechanic rather than when he was running a company. Money doesn't bring happiness. Oh, you say, but I'd like to test that theory. Well, how about find a little joy and then, you know, let the money come too. But you don't, ha- you don't need that to make you happy. Some people think, oh, if I find the right person, if I could just get married, I'll be so happy. Well, you know what? I heard a story. <laughs> well, actually, Socrates was a great philosopher, and he said this, by all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher, and that's a good thing for any man. <laughs> I read a story, and this is a true story, about a lady whose name was Linda Wolf, and she, uh, she holds the title of being the most married woman in the world. She's been married 23 times since she was 16 years old, and she was 68 years old at that time. She was addicted to the feeling that you get with romance and love. Her longest marriage lasted seven years, and her shortest one lasted 36 hours. She married one man three different times. She, she um, over decades, let me, let me tell you about the guys that she married. She married a one-eyed convict. She married a preacher. She married a barman. She married plumbers and musicians, all great, right? She married two homeless men at different times, and she married someone who beat her up pretty good. She even married someone who put a padlock on her refrigerator. To date, she's been single for 12 years, which is the longest she's ever been without anybody. But you look at that. She was married 23 times and could not find happiness. Why? Because happiness does not come from situations and circumstances even though it comes from situations and circumstances. People think, if I could have that job, if I could have that house, if I could just be friends with those people, if I could be in that relationship, if I could do this, I would be happy. But the problem is happiness can come for a little while through any number of things, but that kind of happiness does not ever last because it's never satisfied and it's always looking for more and better and always changing. Why do you think people who have a lot of money, who work very hard, who have God, they're never satisfied with what they have? Because when they get their first million, now they need to make two. And then they make two, they need to make five. And when they make five, they need to make ten. And they spend their life in this cycle. Why? Because they're looking for that feeling of feeling fully satisfied. And how many of you know that is not possible unless you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You can search. You can look. I remember, you know, I've told you the story of Pastor Chris. When he got saved, he said before he got saved, he said he wanted to make money. Because he thought, if I can just make enough money. And then he got saved and he realized that was the power he'd been looking for all of his entire life. Happiness, by definition, is the state of being happy. Notice I said the state of being happy. How many of you know you can be happy and you can be unhappy just as fast as that? Because happiness happens when life fulfills your needs. Happiness happens when you feel satisfied, when you're fulfilled. There is nothing wrong with feeling happy. It's great to feel happy. It's great to be happy. But what happens when all of a sudden life is not fulfilling what you need? What happens when you don't feel satisfied with where you're at or what's going on in your life? That's why you have to find joy, not happiness, Because they're two different things. See, joy and happiness are similar. But here's the difference. Happiness is the result of external 
situations and circumstances. My daughter comes and she brings me flowers. I feel happy in that moment. Somebody else comes and says something mean to me. I suddenly don't feel happy. It's the result of things that happen to you or around you. But joy is internal. And it's not the result of what happens to you. It's the result of what happened to you. When you let Jesus into your life. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is eternal. Happiness comes from the outside in. Joy comes from the inside out. Happiness can be taken away when bad things happen to people. But since joy comes from the inside out, it's unaffected by what happens to you. In fact, you can walk through the most horrible situations and circumstances and still have joy unspeakable and full of glory welling up on the inside of you. Joy comes from knowing that God is always with you, that God always loves you, that God will never leave you, that God will always forgive you. That brings a certain amount of joy to the inside of you. Joy overwhelms you. Happiness consumes you. Does that make sense? Happiness can consume you. It's consuming because then all of a sudden you don't feel happy anymore and all you want to do is you just want to feel happy again. Joy overwhelms you. It oozes out of you. Joy says, it doesn't matter what I'm walking through. I choose to just trust and love God and just, Jesus, I don't know. I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to have joy. And you have joy. When you have joy, it means that no matter what is happening out there, you have peace and contentment because nothing changed in here. So what is joy? We're going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about what joy is. I'm going to give you a little bit of a definition here. If you want to write it down for the note takers. Joy is a state of well-being and assurance that makes us content even in the face of adversity. Joy is the state of well-being and assurance that makes us content even in the face of adversity. See, it's in times of trouble when you find out that that fruit of joy is most apparent in your life. Because when everything's going great, it's easy to be happy. But when things aren't going so well, that's when you see the goodness. of. How many of you have ever walked through a situation where maybe it seemed like you should be in turmoil, but you had the peace of God? That's what joy is. You walk through a situation with a smile on your face anyway and say, though they slay me, yet I will praise him. And you have that sense of peace. It brings it. You want to know what? The fruit of the Spirit all work together. When you're walking in love, it brings you to a place of joy. Joy brings you to a place of peace because you're not letting anything bother you. Well, okay. Oh, I, let, I, always, I always go back to that story about David when he came and everything he had was gone. And what did he do? He went and encouraged himself in the Lord. Guess what? There is nothing you can do about the situations and circumstances that happen to you. You can change your own decision. You can change what you do. You can't change what someone else did to you. You can't change what happened to, to you can't change the things that have happened to you, but you can change how you respond and how you react to those things. And when you begin to have an attitude of joy and say, I'm going to choose to be joyful, I'm going to choose this today, that's when you find that peace that you're looking for, all of those things that you need. 
So if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, because it gives us our greatest example of someone faced with adversity who chose joy anyway, and that is Jesus. Because it says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus was beaten, bruised. He took every burden, every shame, every sickness, every pain, every single thing that you and I could walk through, and he did it for one reason, for the joy of that which was set before him. I often use Jesus as my example because if I use other people as my example, it's easy for me to say I am measuring up. But when I look at Jesus, there is just no contest. I have never been beaten nor bruised nor nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns on my head. Neither have I carried the weight of sin of the world on my shoulders. And if he could do it for the joy that was set before him, Can I not walk through the situations that I have to face? Can you not step forward into the things that sometimes seem overwhelming? That's why he said, look to Jesus. Man, I'm walking through this right now, but I'm going to look to Jesus. Go bookmark in your Bible in one of the gospel accounts. Find your favorite one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John of your favorite gospel account of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Bookmark it in your Bible. And when those circumstances are coming, go open up your Bible and begin to read and say, for the joy set before him, he endured this. I can make it through what I'm walking through. Amen? James 1 and 2 tells us to count it all joy when trials and tests come. Why? Because we serve a God who is faithful to deliver us. Oh, man, but you don't understand the situation I'm facing. I'm pretty sure he did when he wrote this book. And he said, count it all joy. It's not easy to count it joy. But our joy is able to be constant, not because it is based on a circumstance or a situation or anyone else, because it is based on an inner awareness of God, that God is the source of our joy, and that source never fades, never goes away. Well, why don't I feel joyful? I do not know. Go pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll start feeling joy in a minute. That seems like a trite answer. I I, I love it. We had a guy that literally called us many years ago, one of our guys in the church, and he called Pastor Chris, and he was frantic. And he said, I need to talk to you, Pastor. I got to talk to you. He said, do me a favor. You have the key to the church down at the Miracle Center. He said, I want you to go down there, and I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost for one hour, and then I want you to call me back. He said, what? He said, go pray in the Holy Ghost and then call me back. The guy called him back and said, never mind. I don't need you anymore. I'm good. After he prayed for probably 30 minutes or so, he called back. He said, I don't need you anymore. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, you're not walking in joy. Maybe you're just embracing happiness and you've got to have, see, why am I telling you this? You have to understand that there is a well of joy on the inside of you that's waiting for you to tap it. We went to Brazil recently and I looked in, and, and they live on this compound there and it's this big compound and it's, they've lived there for so many years that now there's running water and things. But I went and I looked and in the middle of the compound, there was a well. 
and this was a big, huge well, and you could literally had a cover over it, but used to, they would drop a bucket down into the well and pull out the water that they needed for their day. But that well hadn't been used in a really long time. Why? Because they found a different source of water. But there's still water in that well that today if you drop a bucket down, do you know you have, a, you have a well of living water on the inside of you. And if you're not feeling that joy and you're not feeling it, you just got to drop your bucket down into it and start turning that crank and say, spring up a well within my soul. There's a song about it. Spring up a well. Within my soul, spring up a well and make me whole. Why? Because God gives you every single thing you need to be complete, whole, entire, lacking nothing on the inside of you in the form of him. It's not, I say inside of you, but you know it's him inside of you. What does the word say about God and joy? It says a lot. If you start reading through the word, Romans chapter 14 Verse 17, he's talking here, I'm going to paraphrase, he's talking that the kingdom of God, it's not about eating and drinking and righteousness. He says it's basically not about a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations, but it's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. We make it about what am I doing here and how am I doing this? He said it's about right standing with God. It's about having peace that has, passes all understanding and it has joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm all about. It's real simple. Does it say anything else? There? No, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why are we lacking joy? When that is one of the foundational things that Jesus is telling us his kingdom is all about. Zephaniah 3, 17. You can just write some of these scriptures down. Go back to them. It says in, in, in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about how God is a God of joy and he rejoices over us with singing. He made us in his image. In his very likeness, he created them, man and woman. And if he sings over us and he's joyful, doesn't that mean that that is what he's created us to be as well? Jeremiah 15, 16 tells us that God's words are the joy and the rejoicing of our heart. That's why one of the very best cures for depression is meditating in the word of God. Meditating in the word. That's why he said meditate therein day and night. When you're you're constantly meditating about the goodness of God and the greatness of God and you take those and you play them over and over and over again. God, you're good. God, you're great. Oh man, he's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. And you're looking through the word to find those scriptures that are filled with how great he is. It says that his words are the joy and the rejoicing of our heart. How many of you know if your heart is rejoicing, there is no room for sorrow? Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 and 46 talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And and how that man found it and hid it. And for the joy of it, he goes and sells everything he has in order to possess it. Why? He said, I'm going to sell everything I have because this is more valuable to me. How many of you know the joy of the Lord is more valuable to you than almost any other thing you could possess? Because it will help you overcome in every situation. The greatest joy is, of course, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus promised his disciples, he talked a lot in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and we won't read all of that, but he talked about how he was the true vine. 
And if we abide in him and his words abide in us, that his joy will remain in us and our joy will be full. John chapter 17, verse 13, he says, But now I come to you in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. See, he says, it's my joy in you that gives you the ability to overcome. See, this seems kind of contradictory to people who don't understand the things of God because they might say, "How, how can you have pleasure or happiness in a time of trial or temptation? You can have joy when that happens. Why? Because you have him. I think about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 who were thrown into prison. They were beaten and thrown into a prison. What do they do? In the midnight hour, they begin to sing praises to God. We get stuck in traffic and we complain. Is it the truth? We don't get our way and we grumble. Something happens that we don't like. And guess what? Paul and Silas got beaten and thrown into jail. And what they did was lift up their voice and began to sing praises to God. And what happened? When they began to sing praises to God, all of the chains broke loose and the doors opened in the prison. And not only them, but everyone else around them was immediately set free. What will happen in the midst of our situation, in the midst of our circumstance, if we just lift our hands to heaven and start singing praises to God? But people will think I'm crazy. I would rather people think I'm crazy than actually be crazy. Because let me tell you something, when you give in to those things, it makes you crazy in your head. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12 tells us that that blessed are we when people persecute us and they say all kinds of evil things against us. It says rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh, but they're talking about us and what do we do? We get on the phone with someone else and talk about them. I mean, maybe you don't, maybe just me, Right? We talk about them. How about when someone persecutes us, we go, praise the Lord. I'm going to get the same reward as the prophets got. Back then, praise Jesus. They said some horrible things about me. This is awesome. I'm not saying fake it. Pretty soon you start letting joy rule your life. You'll think it's funny. In John chapter 16, verse 19 I'm not going to read the whole thing. Where do I want to go here? You can write down John 16, 19 through 24, and you can read that later. Jesus talks a little bit, and he's, and he's talking and saying, a, a little while and you're not going to see me. And he's saying that you're going to cry and you're going to be sad, but then your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. He talked about how a woman in labor, when she is in labor, She might not be so filled with joy, but in an instant, when that baby comes forth, that sorrow is immediately changed to joy. I remember every moment of childbirth with every three of my children, and it hurt very, very, very bad, especially my last one, and I thought I was going to die. Thank God my mother-in-law was there. And I was like, I think I just died. I don't know what just happened. And they were like, no, you're good. You just had a baby. It's all. I can remember every moment of it, but guess what? 
The pain is nothing to the joy of having those children in my life. So it doesn't even matter to me. Some of you are experiencing pain right now. Some of you are experiencing sorrow right now. Some of you, you may be able to look back and recount the sorrow, but pretty soon you're going to come out. Why? Because the word of God says that he's going to return your sorrow into joy. And that's the verse you need to hold on to tonight and say, thank you, God, for turning my sorrow into joy, my mourning into dancing. Thank you, God, that you turn every situation into my good. The situation may not change, but my attitude facing it does. And I choose to rejoice in you. And I choose to hold on to you. And I choose to find joy no matter what. And Jesus said in verse 24 of John 16, he said, Until now you've asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, there's no one who can take your joy from you. No one took Jesus' life. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. He willingly gave it. No one can take your joy from you, but sometimes we willingly give it away. Eternal spiritual joy is an inner joy and knowing that God will never fail you. He'll never leave you, nor his word return void in your life. And there's things that joy brings in your life. We just talked about Paul and Silas. Joy brings deliverance to your situation. Joy brings strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. We see that the people of Israel are returning from being exiled for 70 years. And, and Nehemiah is talking to them, and they bring out the book of the law, and they begin to read the oracles of God, and the people begin to weep, and they begin to mourn, and they're sitting there just mourning. And Nehemiah says in verse 10, it says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the, Lord, of the law. This is verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, and eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Message Bible says, do not be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you felt weak and helpless and like you didn't know what to do? Well, that's when you need to tap into the joy of the Lord that is your strength. It gives you strength to overcome. He gives you strength in everything. Uh, joy brings healing to your life. You can write down Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, where it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I'm real quick to go to Walgreens and get some Mucinex when I'm not feeling well. Maybe I just need to have a merry heart that doeth good like a medicine. My husband told me that one time. He's like, why don't you? I said, man, my head is hurting really bad. He goes, I haven't had a headache in 12 years. Because Brother Hagen said he didn't have a headache, and I don't have to have a headache. So I don't know what you're doing. I was like, okay. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. There can be joy that's found in doing God's will for your life. Write down Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. It says, I delight to do your will, O Lord. Joy will come as you meditate on the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. Joy serves as your protection over the attacks of the enemy. 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, it shows a group of people in faced in a situation that they cannot win and they cannot overcome. And Jehoshaphat, the leader of those people, sent out the praisers before the army so that the army could be defeated. In our battles that we're facing, are we sending the praise out first? Or are we sending the army out and then we're going to wait and praise once the battle is won? I remember a situation when he said, go to the end of the battle and stand and see the salvation of God. You're not going to have to fight this day. You know how many battles we really don't have to fight? If we would just stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. He's, he would sit there and say, he probably thinks we're so funny. He's probably sitting back there like in an easy chair just watching us laugh and going, you didn't have to fight that. Okay, well, if you want to, go ahead. You didn't have to fight that battle. I already had it taken care of, but you were just so determined. Go ahead. What if we take the time to let the praise go out first? I'm facing a situation. I'm facing something bigger than me. I'm facing a problem. I'm facing this, and I really don't care. Lord, I praise you, and I worship you, and I magnify your name, and I glorify you, and you're wonderful, and you're good, and you're amazing, and you're holy, and you're awesome, and you're amazing, and you've done great things for me. You've done mighty things in my life. You've done wonderful things in my life. Try it and watch the atmosphere shift. Then pretty soon you just step back and go, oh, wait, that that battle's over. And you didn't even know you didn't have to fight until it was already won. Joy brings Jesus on the scene. Because in Psalms chapter 16, 11, he tells us that in his presence is fullness of joy. I'm going to give you four ways to release joy and praise to God. And you can write the scriptures down with him. The first one is singing. Psalm 28, verse 7. Singing. Clapping. Psalm 47.1. So you got homework. You can look these up later. I'm doing it on purpose, though. I'll make you read some scriptures about joy. Shouting can bring joy. Psalm 5.12. Uplifted hands. Psalm 63.4. With instruments and dance. Psalm 149, verse 3, and Psalms 150, verse 4. But there are some things that can block joy in our lives. And so we want to be aware of those because the thing is this, if you're not, you're not seeing the joy of the Lord in your life, I, I, like, I love that scripture, and um, before we go there, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of of joy, And I was reading that verse many years ago, and the Holy Spirit told me, what happens when something is full? If I have a glass of water up here, if I have my water bottle, and it's totally and completely full up the top, there's no room for anything else. I can pour things in, but what's going to happen? It's going to overflow. He said, in my presence is fullness of joy. That means when you really go into his presence, there's not room for anything else. Joy is filled to the top. Fullness means that there's not even a millimeter of room for anything else. There's not room for discouragement. There's not room for depression. There's not room for shame. There's not room for doubt. There's not room for fear. Why? In his presence is fullness of joy. There's not room for anything else. There's not room for you to be discouraged. 
There's not room for you to be destroyed. There's not room for you to be sad. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. But I went into his presence and I didn't feel joyful. Then you didn't get into his presence. I lifted my hands, but where was your head? I, I opened my mouth and I said, but what were you thinking? Lord, I love you, and I can't wait for this worship to be over because it's so, I love you, yes, and I love you, and I really want the worship to be over right now. And I'm lifting my hands, and I'm feeling nothing. No, you're not because you're really not in his presence at all. But guess what? His presence is as close as your very next breath. So it don't take a lot to get into his presence. It takes you shutting off this, opening up this, and saying, hey, God, I surrender right now. Take me to a place in your presence. Maybe you might have to. I've had to sometimes get on the floor and put my face in the floor and make myself not think about anything else but the goodness of God and force myself into a place where I'm like, in your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, in your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. I need that joy, so I've got to get in your presence. I can't let anything pull me out of my presence because the minute that you take that step to get into his presence, all of hell will try to pull you out. And you've got to jealously guard that time with him. There's someone I'm not going to say who it is, but I love it because when we call them all the time, they're praying. Oh, they're praying right now. Why, they've learned the value of God's presence, right? we got to learn the value of his presence and not get out of it for anything. If you're not feeling joy in your circumstances, go get in his presence. It's really that simple. There's not really, I mean, it's a very simple message. But we don't, why do we make it so hard? I know, but the thing is, but nothing. All we have to do is get in his presence. Okay, God, I'm upset right now. I worship you. Okay, God, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. I worship you because right now I need your joy because I need joy in the midst of everything I'm facing. I'm going to give you a few things here that you can write down that can block your joy because how many of you don't want your joy blocked? I told you how to find your joy, get in his presence. It's that simple. Unforgiveness can block your joy. God says he doesn't even hear your prayers if you're in unforgiveness. He said, when you come to pray, if you have ought against your brother, go find him first and make it right and then come back into my presence. Oh, but I'm not harboring unforgiveness. I just don't like them very much. Well, I mean, you can love people from afar, but you just got to make sure your heart's right. Unforgiveness can keep you from having joy. Resentment. Why did that, not even resentment at people, resentment at situations. Why did that happen to me? I don't understand. See, that's the opposite of I trust you and I worship you and I praise you. But God, I'm upset. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm not happy about this. Well, God's like, I can't do anything about bitterness. Well, you've got to be careful not to let the root of bitterness come in. Bitterness is what happens when you let resentment fester for too long. You start to get bitter. You ever been around someone who's just bitter? They're just a bitter person? Have you ever met a bitter person who isn't even the remotely happy? You meet someone who's bitter? What happens when you suck on a lemon? Right? When you get around a bitter person, they can't even smile because they're just bitter. Bitterness can block your joy. Like, I don't want to be a lemon. Get rid of that bitterness. 
And sin can also get rid of your, can block your joy. There is a time when David, who was a friend of God, got himself in a situation where he blatantly sinned against God. He destroyed a marriage, committed infidelity. What did he do in Psalm 51? He went back to a place and he said those words, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. He said, I can't be away from your presence. Restore unto me the joy. Sin can block you. Not because he's not willing to forgive. It's just because you haven't asked him to. Because if you ask him to, we know that the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not dependent on the size of the sin. So he's never not, he's already, he already forgave your sin. Let me just like set that straight. Jesus does not go back up on the cross every time you sin. Did he not let go up on a cross over 2,000 years ago, hold his hands out, look to heaven and say, it is finished as he took the sin of the world on his shoulders, the sin of people who had not yet to be born? He already forgave you. Now we just have to say, okay, I walk in the forgiveness that you already gave me, Jesus. He said, do not, I like that, he said, do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The New King James Version says it this way, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. It's really simple to not lose your joy. You just have to keep your heart clean. And you can play. I said this is an easy message tonight. Because I think there's some people in here who you've lost your joy. Maybe you don't know why. Maybe you've walked through situations. Maybe you've walked through circumstances. Maybe you've had some things that happened to you that weren't your fault. But they've stolen joy. Maybe you've done some things. And you've allowed them, you didn't, you've allowed them to take your joy from you. But tonight you're going to get it back. I believe that with all my heart. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this building. If that's you tonight and you say, that's me. My joy has been taken. I've given it away, but I want it back. I want you just to wave, lift your hand right now and say, that's me tonight. And if you would, you don't have to, but if you want to come up here and just come line up in the front, I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to pray and believe that God is going to restore unto you the joy of your salvation. It's okay, come up. I like it, it's bold. Just come up here and lift your hands to heaven and just close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. And I want out of your mouth, I want you to begin to worship. And I want you to begin to praise Him. And I want you to begin to tell him how great he is. And I want you to begin to tell him how good he is. And I want you to begin to just tell him how much he means to you. And if you didn't come up, that's okay too. But I want every single person in this building to begin to lift your hands to heaven and just begin to praise him. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to tell him how awesome he is. Set the atmosphere for his presence. And just praise him right now. Just worship him right now. Just tell him, God, you're good. 
Let it work. You know what? Don't, don't even think. Take your head out of it. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to worship him. See, you're not going to come up here. I'm not going to lay my hands on you. And, and you're going you're gonna to praise your way out of this right now. Because, see, it's easy to come up and say, lay your hands on me and let it go away. No, 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 no. But there's something to be said about shutting off your head and opening up your heart and saying, God, I praise you. I worship you. I praise you. I worship you. I love you. I magnify you. You're so good. You're so great. You're greatly to be praised. Come on, everyone in this place, begin to lift up your voices right now. Come on, begin to say, God, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. I magnify you. I worship you. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth and from the depths of your soul, begin to praise him. From the depths of your heart, begin to worship him. Begin to tell him, God, you're mighty. You're great. You're greatly to be praised. You've done exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think. You're a mighty God. You're an awesome God. I worship you. Come on, just begin to open up your mouth tonight and praise him and find that place in his presence. Because as soon as you find that place, just as you open up your mouth and find that place in his presence, just begin to open your mouth and find that place in his presence. God, I worship you. I magnify you. You tell him how good he is. You tell him how great he is. It's good it's gonna yeah you gotta go you gotta tell him you gotta get there you gotta get into his presence lord i worship you and i praise you i worship you you're good you're a good god you've moved mountains on my behalf and you're gonna move them again god you've restored my you've healed the brokenhearted i read that in your word and now i'm trusting you that you're that you're restoring my broken heart God, I felt so empty, and, and I read in the Word how I can have fullness of joy, and I'm asking you right now to fill me to overflowing with the joy. God, you know what? I've made some mistakes, but cast me not away from your presence, but renew a right spirit in me and restore unto me the joy of my salvation, that I can find joy in your presence, that I can learn how to willingly obey. See, there's a place of obedience right now that if you'll open up your mouths and just begin to tell Him how great He is. See, He, he, he there's an anointing that comes a yoke destroying burden removing anointing you say but my burden is so heavy but my God is so good and he is much bigger than the burden that you're carrying and if you'll just praise him God I praise you right now I let I lift your heart to you I lift my voice to you if you want to pray in the Holy Ghost you can pray in the Holy Ghost just begin to pray in this place God we praise your name we worship you in this place we magnify your name God I give you glory. God, I thank you for the joy. Yeah, he's going to fill you up right now. He's filling 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 you up right now. Every single broken thing that you face, he's breaking that off of you right now. That heaviness is going. That burden is being lifted. And you're going to have a joy. You're going to walk with a little lighter step. You're going to have a glow about you from the inside out, from the well that's on the inside of you. God, I thank you right now. Unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. Joy unspeakable and full of glory in the presence, in the glory of God, in the glory of God right now. God, as you as you lift up your voice, come on, lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice. Tell him how good he is. Tell him and you tell him. He's good. Tell him how good he is. You're great. Tell him, say, God, you're great. You're worthy. God, you're awesome. You're mighty. You're good. We're worthy. You're great. You're worthy. You begin to pray. Yeah. presence. I'm worthy to stand in your presence. You made me righteous. I worship you. I worship you. I magnify you. I magnify you, God. You're greater than anything I face. Every single mind assignment that tries to come against you is broken in the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now. Right now. Break in the name of Jesus. 
to go back to that place every day, every minute, every hour. You might have to get up from work and, excuse me for a minute, I got to go praise him. God, I praise you. I worship you. I magnify you. You have to become so addicted to his presence. God, you know what? I, I, you know what? When you find out what it's like to be in his presence, you will not be able to live without him. Too many of us can live without him. We've learned how to live without him. We've learned how to worship him and praise him, but we don't need him that like desperately. But he's saying we're coming back to a place where you're gonna desperately call out for me because you're gonna cry out for me because you're gonna be so addicted to my presence that the moment that you don't feel it, you're gonna step right back into it, God. I worship you, I praise you, I magnify you. You're holy God, you're a mighty God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you in this place, Jesus. Come on and just stand up on your feet and lift your hands to heaven and just begin to worship him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.